This episode of the Telerotor RC Podcast, Mike is back, and he's trying to figure out a way to make a little extra cash. Because someone paid $5 more for COVID edition. <laughs> <laughs> and COVID-19 has a little extra surprise for Monty. You f- brother? <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> and I was like, huh, Uh-oh. that's weird. And Shaggy gets to the root of his head bobble problem. I just had loose bolts. And I finally found a use for those red-handled hobby shop crippers that I love so much. I didn't have the right tool. You're a tool. I'm a tool. <laughs> didn't have the right tool. Found one that worked. Hello and welcome to Telerotor RC. This is episode 30 titled, Wire Crimpers, Stop Being a Tool. <laughs> this is Robert Monty, and with me I have Michael Shaggy Parker. I got food. Mike DiPaolo. Is he really talking about how he has chicken right now? Yes, I do have chicken. And Rich Sowers. Hey, what's up, guys? Believe it or not, cricket noise is here. Yeah. Sweet. Well, so uh, next up is what we did since last episode. So let's uh, let's make DiPaolo go first. Well, I'm go first. All right, because you haven't gone first since in uh, like five months. Since since oh, what's uh since Han Solo got shot? <laughs> Damn! <laughs> this is before or after someone else dies. Yeah. <laughs> what you do since last episode? Well, half of it I can't even talk about. That's well, fun. that's work. Just stay with hobby stuff. No, it is hobby stuff. Oh, yeah. We can't talk about the work stuff either. Yeah. Oh, laser beams. That's about it. Ow, my eyes! I, make, I, make laser, <laughs> but I got a thing on my desk that a friend handed to me, and it basically is, if you can see this, your eyes are not destroyed, and this is not service-related. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> so I just carry that around with me every time someone's like, hey, you want to go do a laser test? I'm like, yeah, I do cool. Bring this with you. <laughs> Suddenly, they don't want to go anymore. Uh, the other one is Microglow has quotes out for manufacturing. Um, oh. oh, is it being manufactured with COVID or without? Oh, you know it. It has to have it. Mm, <laughs> it's too spicy glow igniter. <laughs> they only touch it with rubber gloves version. You should have that. You should have that printed on the board. COVID edition. COVID edition. <laughs> <laughs> Will someone pay $5 more for COVID edition? Um, uh, sitting here while we're doing this, Telerotor's on one screen. On the other screen is me writing code to reverse engineer some hobby wing stuff. That's cool. Mm-hmm. You know, all you're really doing is probably reverse engineering the uh, original, original OEM manufacturer of their chips. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if I start digging more and more into it and I start thinking to myself, wow, this looks really familiar. Like I saw it in a, oh, wait, yeah, I saw this in an STM2 applications guide two years ago. (laughs) I mean, it doesn't look like they did that. But I've definitely opened several servos from uh, various manufacturers and I have seen that, wow, this is literally the same chip that I've seen every other one of them use that I'm speaking of and oh look, the layout is the same, huh? That's kind of interesting. And then I go in and find out that 
Oh, how about that? Scilabs has a reference guide for using their F330 microcontroller for servo control. (laughs) How about that? It's really good, too. It's like 300 pages worth of it, but it was kind of amusing to find several cheaper manufacturers all using the same exact thing. (laughs) Uh, I guess the only thing that's remotely kind of interesting is the whole point of reversing Hobby Wing is one, I'm designing motor drives at work, and I felt like pulling something apart. And, uh, they're really, really stingy about their telemetry protocol. And I kind of wanted to be able to use it in an upcoming airplane build. Yeah. Yeah, as in, I even asked around some of the more well-known flybarless manufacturers and have some acquaintances here and there with that. And I, I kind of asked them, it's like, hey, so uh, could I buy a dinner at a fun fly for some information? And... Basically, it was, yeah, I, I can't give it to you. Why not? It's like, well, it's not an NDA, man. I, I'd give it to you. But they just didn't give it to us. We had to reverse engineer it. It, it don't exist. Yeah, yeah. Like, they haven't wow. given it to anybody. Well, yeah. except maybe they're Vernugan Stabi people because I could expect Mikado to come by Hobby Wings office and be like, we'll give you $10,000 if you give it to us. <laughs> we'll pay you in unsold Mikado kits or something like that. <laughs> If you pre-order this, we'll give it to you. But, yeah, so that's, that's the day. I've got most of it done. It's got to make the little box that I can stick in places to convert it over to Jetty Landon if you want. Futaba. Futaba. I bet there'll be some Futaba people who are interested. Yeah, S-Bus is really not a complicated bus, but it's well-designed. Its timing requirements are very tight. Otherwise. Yeah. Jetty X bus. Um, <laughs> the more I was digging into that, the less impressed I was. Oh, uh, yeah. There's it, definitely some some sins they're paying for by continually carrying over a, an okay but not so great. It's not a bus either. Looking at it, I'm kind of salty that they keep calling it X bus. It's not. Yeah. It's point to point. You can't chain stuff on it. Hmm. Like SXRL that um, that Spectrum has now, you can do that. And actually, um, I forgot his last name, but uh, one of the head developers at Horizon, Andy, I didn't realize this, but in like 2018, they went and released the entire specification for the telemetry protocol for Spectrum. Nice. Yeah. People reverse engineered it and started playing with it, and they basically came out and said, well, you've got like 80% of it and uh, we're selling more stuff now because of it. So tell you what, we'll save you the grief of it not working, and we'll just give you the protocol. Yeah, we're not making any money off of not giving it out. Hmm. Uh, we're off. T- we're off topic a little bit. A little yeah. bit, but yeah, it's, it's kind of that's what I'm doing is telemetry nonsense and software. Based cool. off of all of that, Mike, you also considered possibly changing to a different radio, right? Possibly. Uh. I mean, the thought has crossed my mind. <laughs> I could make sensors for a different radio. That, yeah. And what radio may that be? I don't know. Some other radio made in Japan or in a Chinese factory. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure it was Free Sky. Oh. <laughs> you know what? I know this is off topic, so I'll keep it short. But, uh,. The day that a manufacturer comes out with a really high-grade hardware radio and says you can run OpenTX on it, take my goddamn money. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they consider high-end hardware because I'm noticing a lot of the open open. Uh, they're all like transmitter systems are doing are doing a uh, Hall Effect gimbals, but they're like uh, like FreeSky and all that. I mean, I, like I looked at the jumper radio, and it's not built real well, and I don't know about the FreeSky one. But like if someone like Futaba, JR, or Spectrum, somebody came out and said, hey, we made this really nice hardware, it runs OpenTX. Because at that point, there's no firmware to steal. There's no firmware to copy. So yeah. China can't just jump in and, and make something and steal it. Because it's already on the market. At that point, what you're paying for is superior manufacturing. Yeah, hardware. That, it is what it is. You know, It's like you're not going to... If you cut corners, you've cut corners. You can't steal all the design. I guess I'm getting at is uh, a real Ferrari versus a clone Ferrari. You're going to notice which one's a clone. You're a clone. Yeah. Hmm. You can copy paste software, but hardware is a hell of a lot harder to do that. (laughs) Off topic. Yep. Who wants to go next? I'll go third. How about that? Okay. Rich? What? Your turn. Say My turn. Oh man, I'm easy. Um, I'm going to sound a lot like Andy from Freefall. Uh-huh. Um, I am still <laughs> working on my charge case, but it's farther along. Still working on Diablo number two. Not flown. Not set up yet. Not falling off the bench. Not falling off the bench. <laughs> <laughs> but that phone call with Monty hasn't happened yet. <laughs> and um, I have been doing a little bit of simming still. And some flying. I haven't been to the field in the last couple of weeks, um, mainly due to weather. I mean, I've been to the field, but I haven't done any flying. Uh, wind has been really bad down here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tell me about it. It's been bad here. Yeah, it's it's been it's been a little little crazy. And then, but a couple of weeks before that, since the last recording, I had gone and had done some flying those previous two weekends. Um, haven't gotten out to the week. I've been luckily. I'm one of the guys that's still working. So. Um, you know, not being able to go out during the week or anything, um, like some guys are getting to do, but, um, yeah, having a good time trying to get it in, but you know, rock and roll, man, right now it is what it is. And, uh, the charge case is almost done after, you know, I told you guys I'd been working on it for a couple of years. It's kind of funny. I went to Amazon to look up when I bought some of the parts. It was actually four years ago that I ordered those parts. So in that case, gaming computer. That case has been in progress for actually four freaking years. Mm. That's a long time to be gone. Hey, one of these days I'll finish that charge case. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that's that's it about. I mean, for me, we've done. Um, trying to think of hobby wise, I think that's about it. Of course, I've been doing a bunch of three D printing for my charge case and stuff. But um, yeah, I think that's it for me. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, yeah, so since the last episode here, I, I think it was like a uh, week after the last episode, I did fly my logo again. I was actually at my grandfather's house cutting his grass and, uh, he's got a field just like a, just, you know, like a farm field just past his property. So I went out there just, uh, I brought the logo and I, uh, put, th- I put two flights on it and I knew about, I haven't done the maintenance yet on the head. I was like, well, you know, it's. I need to do it, but I want to fly. So I went out there and flew it, did some flights, and I was actually practicing something new, a new maneuver. Well, 
it's not a new maneuver. I'm, it's just I wanted to try to practice this, but it's a, uh, it is a, geez, it's um, Rob, what? I don't know if it's Schedule P or if it's a different schedule. It's an F3C maneuver, but you basically you pull up into a vertical climb. You do a, um, uh, it, the model starts falling. Once it stalls, the model starts falling backwards, tail in. And then you do a, um, or as it's falling, you start doing a, uh, a backflip, but you're mm. su- sustaining that, that forward down climb. What is that? Mm. What, what, what maneuver was that from? Called a candlestick with backflip. Yeah. Uh, I was actually doing some of those and they weren't pretty because I was doing that on the sim and I, I was like, this is actually looking pretty good. Let me do this with the logo. And it wasn't looking pretty, but I'm getting the feel for it. I actually really like that maneuver. It's a it's a fun maneuver to do centered up because when when uh, when it when it clicks and you do it right, uh, it looks it looks great. It and, looks uh, really good, yeah. And it's a maneuver you can actually tell that you're doing well, yep. right there in front of you, like because it, it, it's the reason it's not called a stall turn is because you're not actually doing any rudder work. You you, you stop like a stall turn, but then you let the model uh, fall. fall backwards backwards flight tail towards the ground then you do a backflip and now your nose towards the ground when you do all that and you keep center with yourself you know it know it unlike a like a loop you know you can see a loop and go it looked good someone else be like yeah it was a nice egg (laughs) (laughs) um but that candlestick when you do it right when you do it right and center with yourself it's right oh it feels yeah so i was i did i was doing that a, a few times and then i was doing some uh I was just doing some other orientations that I'm not comfortable with, but I was doing them up high. Like I was doing uh, right rudder pirouette flips. I always do left, so I yeah. did a few right. I did, I did a few right rudder pirouette flips. Not long, not many, but <laughs> I can do it. On, I can do it on the sim. The model doesn't stay put, but I can continuously do it. But um, up, you know, at, you know, in real life, I can do it. But then I start getting a little. I start thinking, and that's the problem. I start overthinking it. And then the model just, I start getting, I start getting out of rhythm. So I had to bail a few times, but I mean, I was, I was out there just trying new things and that, that was very fun. Um, on the second flight, I came in and I landed the model and everything after the second flight. And, uh, I was bringing the helicopter back to, uh, to my grandfather's house. And I was on the uh, sidewalk and I was taking the batteries out and, once I picked it up, I noticed the skids dropped, like the back of the skids kind of dropped. I'm thinking, oh, and I looked there and one bolt is gone. And the other bolt is almost out all the way. And immediately it clicked. There is my head wobble that I what I assumed was a head wobble because the skids were vibrating. I just had loose bolts. <laughs> so that problem was solved. Uh, I haven't flown since then. Uh, I do want to get back out there. Actually, what I have right in front of me. And this is the you know, this is kind of the perfect topic here is I'm making I'm crimping a new uh, uh, wire harness that I've been talking about for the past what two months now on my E7 SE yep. uh, for that telemetry sensor. So might as well actually while we're talking about this, do it. Do it wrong. That's good. Uh, great. <laughs> <laughs> and the last thing I have here is I bought something. Good. I bought something big, as in. I bought another helicopter. Yeah? Whoa. <laughs> I bought another NX4. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I hate Mike Sobe right now. You bought a what? <laughs> I bought his NX4. 
I well, so I was gonna. I he was selling the the model ready to go, and I said, hey, if you ever decide to sell the engine, I would love to have a backup fifty five um, with the Hattori pipe. And you know, then he messaged me a couple weeks later. It's like, yeah, I'm gonna part it out. So he gave me a really good price on the motor and pipes. Like, yeah, I can't refuse on that. I'm gonna be a good backup for my six hundred whenever I blow that one up again. Yeah. Uh, then I could just drop it in there and not spend a freaking year trying to rebuild the engine. Yeah, <laughs> you'll need to make a harness that'll take an extra three months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um and then he was trying to convince me to buy the airframe. Like, no, dude, I can't I can't drop that much. I mean, I I'm I'm at well per, I was actually say I'm actually trying to save up for 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 other things. And then he just yesterday he um he hit me with numbers like, all right, I gotta get rid of this thing. I will only do this for you. And he hit me with his number. I'm like, dude, that is a stab in the heart. I can't say no. <laughs> so I'm just yeah. getting this. And it's a it's the one that he he has it stretched with the whole 55 conversion. So I'm not I'm gonna use that basically as a spare spare parts airframe. I'm still gonna build mine. He must really hate that helicopter to sell it to someone who has a bunch of goblins. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. Could have uh I don't know. I, dude, I only have one goblin now, dude. I only have the fireball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I the, the rich is about to get through my remaining uh, goblin five hundred parts, and that's not even for him. It's for a friend. No, it's for a buddy. So I only have the fireball. Yeah. Okay. But yep, yeah, I'm done. That's basically it. I bought another freaking helicopter that I don't need. Sounds about <laughs> legit. <laughs> but I mean, I I couldn't refuse on that price, and yeah. I mean, I, you can't buy the parts that for that. Price. So I was like, that, that's, that's a good, like, if I read, when I, whenever I rekit the, the, the original one, then I'll just use that one. Maybe RCHO. Probably. Mm-hmm. It's a good place for it. Or Urcha. <laughs> another good place for <laughs> those, it. Those are your two oh. places for ending things. Oh, and that's the, la- and actually, that just brought me up some, something. Uh, I'm working with, the, uh, with Wes from uh, the Urcha board. About the speed cup, and what I just want to get out there is anybody that's interested, just let me know. I want to get a kind of an idea of what you know. If anybody will be interested in doing the speed cup, I'm going to do like a sportsman class. So basically, you know, you can bring anything you want. I mean, any kind of model, basic model, it doesn't have to be set up for speed at all. I'll kind of go, you know, like a basic course. If you guys are familiar with the the speed cup I had at last year's Spring Fling, it's going to be kind of the same thing. Just go out there, have fun. Uh, I'd love to see new people out there just to, just to try it. You don't have to like set your model to a ridiculous head speed or anything like that. You really don't have to, the only thing you have to change on your model is maybe maybe your tail game. That's about it. But I, I just want to see if there's anybody that might be interested in wanting to do it uh, at this at the Urcha at the Urcha Jamboree. Best way to get a hold of you via Facebook Messenger. Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. Uh, either you can uh, contact us through the Telerator email or. Uh, Michael Shagan Parker through Facebook Messenger. Uh, so since the last recording, I had some uh, I had great practice with the uh, F3C Schedule P. Uh, I'm finally doing better at keeping the model parallel to the flight line while uh, while while working with a perpendicular wind. <laughs> oh yeah, um, how have you been having fun with that? This wind is un is a little stronger than normal. Uh. I don't know. I, I, I just know it's windy. <laughs> and I needed, I needed to work on it. Um, 
I my charge case, uh, the the carpeting in it, the uh, padding, fabric, the fabric. It finally like divided, so I moved all my stuff over into an identical charge case that a friend gave me a while ago that I've had for a few years, sitting around waiting for the day I was going to move my gear into it. Um, Is it four years old? Yo, it's older than four years. <laughs> <laughs> He went and bought one of them fancy cases from uh, Cashwell mm-hmm. like two years ago, and he'd been using this setup for two or more years. Mm. He had this setup since 2014. Oh, um, yeah the the fabric in mine because my charge case I've been using since 2011, and the fabric was was dividing and, and pulling away. I need to take that now that I got my gear out of. I need to take that charge case outside and clean it up and bust off all the glue they used fabric on the back and bottom Mm. and see if I can't, you know, put it back in use. Um, I've been trying to do some simming, but I get bored quickly and I, I just grin around. So Mm. I'm trying to think of something to do that would be worthwhile in the sim. Well, when we were farting around the other night with, um, who is it? Ben that joined us. Mm, I don't know if he's listening. I think his name was Ben, wasn't it? No. Oh, he did, yeah. He didn't know. I don't, I don't remember his name. He didn't know what was going on. <laughs> he did not have a clue. But damn, it was funny. Yeah, it was a so riot. If he's, if he's listening, it wasn't on. Pur- yes, it was on purpose. Yes, it was. <laughs> there, there, there was there was an overseer, and he was specifically watching for you to try and do takeoffs, and <laughs> I would increase turbulence and wind to maximum in real flight, and watch oh, the model. You, just, oh, you just, asshole. Dude, on the like, runway. He would be sitting there in a hover, and all of a sudden, he turned the wind off, and the, heli- the model would just fall. It'd be like, "What?" The <laughs> yeah. Like, oh my gosh! There were times oh. it was so bad you couldn't even get the helicopter off the ground. He would just lift up, and it would take off, shoot off backwards, and crash. <laughs> it was like I used to do that. One. I I used to be on a on a se- uh, uh, session years ago with some guys, and we they were doing that. It was hell. It was yeah, funny though. I, I think at one point I was trying to fly my helicopter while I was in rich's view so i had to like i had to stay you know in front of i had to stay in front of his heli in some way so i could see mine and then he'd start off in a direction like i can't see my heli <laughs> i'm like oh sucks to be you yeah like i, yeah. I was like, i'm like having time. a hard time keeping 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 anything useful going on with the sim <laughs> I did notice, however, that AccuRC put out some uh, good uh, good videos on learning some maneuvers. So maybe I'll go look at those and mm-hmm. practice them a little bit. Um, now, the only other thing is funny. After we recorded that last episode, um, I had mentioned that a, a certain friend had not replaced the uh, dampers in his rotor head. And since that episode was recorded till now, uh, two more friends have have a. Uh, uh, admitted to this uh and one one almost lost a heli over it uh-huh and uh another another was troubleshooting in the wrong direction <laughs> 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 um yeah another was like why is my why is it? he was looking at his, his his fly barless setup and it's like i watched the model and it's like that's not a fly barless issue that's a mechanical issue yeah for all those people who haven't changed their dampers out and they're still flying them and they're over a year old Fix yourself. <laughs> Don't even bother asking me. Just go go replace those first, and then come back <laughs> if you still have a problem. Man, you're grumpy. Uh, I'm not being grumpy. It's just it, it, 
takes it, it's. What if he's a little guy that doesn't know what he's doing? He's got somebody else. Yeah, rich. You know what? If, what if a guy can't? You know, just got you know inherited those red pair crimps crimping tools, and that's all. Uh, don't have. don't go there. We're gonna talk about that shit later. <laughs> <laughs> there's a reason we're doing this episode <laughs> <laughs> yep yeah uh, don't hate the little guy no don't hate there's no hate don't hate the player hate the game um yeah. that'll move us along to RC Heli News and Heli Event coverage <laughs> um you know I've been poking around on the on the on the world wide web and brief check of hobby shops they're open they can ship stuff so Get out there and support your local hobby shop. Order some stuff, go over mm. and pick it up from them or let them ship it to you, whatever it be. The other one, I saw the announcement just come out. Uh, HT Helicopters is closing its doors in Germany and changing ownership. Um, the announcement says new ownership will be here in the United States. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, HT, they're still around? I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, it, uh, you know, it, when I look back, they had this. They had this odd spot with Heli Direct. HD wasn't Heli Direct, but they had this weird spot with Heli Direct, and it was kind of like, um, oh, it's kind of like minor leagues going up to major leagues. You know, I was watching Goblin Pilots. You know, soon to be Goblin Pilots flying the HD, and then they become Goblin Pilot. Kind of cool, kind of yeah, weird. That, actually, yeah, but then all of a sudden they just disappeared. Um. Next up, uh, you know, I've seen this company before and I've seen their stuff, but I they actually announced a new 700-class electric helicopter. PSG Dynamics out of Germany announced a new helicopter named the uh, Zent 7. <laughs> At an affordable price tag of... $1,700 US dollars. <laughs> what a steal. Well... But buy today and you can get free shipping. I don't know if they're. I don't think they're shipping it. I don't think they're shipping it for free. Uh, uh, they got. A, they got a link on on calculating shipping. So what uh, is that? What is seventeen hundred divided by five? So oh, e- five easy payments of. <laughs> um, I'm done. But I, I will say in. I'll say it here. You know, it's it's. it's I'm going to say it here, and it's not. You know, it's not the year of end uh, prognostication episode, but. My feeling is is by Christmas of 2021, we are going to see basically all of the models go up in price. Mm-hmm. I don't think the manufacturers can afford to be at this price anymore with the way the economy and costs are. To- yeah. Yeah. So, and of course, uh, this virus didn't help either. Um, I'm not yeah. saying it's caused by the virus, but the virus definitely put, you know, it's, it's going to speed up that process. It's hurting everyone, and you know some manufacturers have already brought up prices slowly. Others, I'm pretty sure, will be. I just, I don't see we're going to be able to keep on going buying. You know, unless the kit is coming out of China or Taiwan, you know, six hundred and seven hundred dollar kits, seven hundred class, you know, electric helicopter. Just don't see it continuing that long for companies who are bringing stuff out of you know the U.S. or Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, continue on. Uh, so we know him on the on on Facebook and the forums is Augiecopter. He released a new backup power system. Yeah, that looks interesting. It does. Uh, you know the the okay. videos show the test bed. He has videos of his test bed. 
mm-hmm. and all the various tests he was doing with it. And, uh, that's pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Logging uh, and stuff really kind of adds a dynamic to it for people like to troubleshoot stuff. Yeah, um, that definitely does. And I think one of the other ones that is interesting is I've seen a friend struck by it is it has protection for overvoltage going to mm-hmm. your fly barless and your servos. Yeah, had a had a friend a couple years ago. He he ended up sending fifty volts at his fly barless and his servos um, mm. through no fault of his own, <laughs> and uh, you know tried all of it. So, you know, he's got overvoltage protection for flying equipment. Yeah. That that sucks. Yeah. Uh, more info can be found at rchelitoolbox.com. Uh, second to last item here, items uh, brought to you due to COVID-19. Uh, still for... Uh, <laughs> uh, I just saw an email come from the AMA today. They are saying they're going to waive fees for changing dates on events for the rest of the year. So if you want to reschedule your event later in the year, I just got an email today as a contest director, since I have a contest sanction, saying, hey, may I waive fees if I want to change dates. Um, next thing I'll say here is uh, check out what the executive orders are from your state governor. I know, for example, this week, Governor Northam for the state of Virginia announced that non-essential businesses can start open on the 7th of May. So... There's, 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 there's starting to be some light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to, you know, getting things moving along. Uh, last item here is uh, HeliX, the simulator. Uh, they've made it available for free. Um, as you know, given people a chance to try it out while uh, they may have some extra time on their hands. So check out the HeliX simulator. I'm actually thinking I, I haven't actually flown it. Hmm. It's worth me actually downloading it now that I think about it. I did a while back, um, yeah. but I always end up back on Real Flight, Real Flight 7. I just do. I just I shoot out there, try something for a few days, and then like uh, I'm going back. Yeah, I, I was with you on that. Uh, we tried a sim uh, a few months, you know, about a month ago, and um, I wouldn't say that real flight is an abusive girlfriend, but I, I just, I keep going back to her. Like, yeah, Ooh, that's pretty. Like, Ooh, that's pretty. She's got yeah. different colored hair and you, you run off with her and play for a, a, a day. And then you're like, uh, I'm going to go back to my same old, same old. <laughs> yeah. Still good. She, she does what I like. <laughs> um, <sighs> Three helicopters, one plane, one quadcopter for a, a functional demo version. So, yeah. Mm. They also do a Mac OS X version. Yeah, that's the version I tried it on. Ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I have not heard any other events being canceled. However, I am hearing from the AMA that they are going to make a decision about nationals. Uh, outdoor nationals, AMA nationals uh, come around June 10th. So, yeah, the indoor nats were canceled. And the indoor nats were that doesn't affect helicopter company. Nope. nope. You know, you hope they don't. You know, I, I hope they don't cancel. Yeah, I hope so too. Yeah, I, I, I guess my concern at this point is, I would hate to, I, I would hate to travel, and then touch something between here or there. 
you know, touch something or come in contact with somebody. And then, you know, you'd be a day in at like Muncie. And then all of a sudden you're running a hundred and temp 550 yeah. miles from home. <laughs> yeah. Like that would suck. Like, uh, you know, take some Tylenol and try and drive home. Like, and if you got anybody with you in the car, <laughs> yeah. like your carpool, somebody like they're going to be sick too. So, uh, yeah. You know, I hope I hope everything can come together. I hope everything can come together. I think it's just too early to tell yet. Yeah, where that stuff's going to delve out. Yep. Um. So next up is listener questions. We ain't get any questions. <laughs> that was a short segment. So uh, next item is listener feedback, and I am going to. Uh, Point my finger like the bad monkey from Family Guy right at Mike DiPaolo. <laughs> what? Listener, listeners are interested in a Nitro episode. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is springtime. It I, is. Dude, it is. Shaggy has good microphones this time. Uh, yeah. 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 Mm. Maybe you can get some long poles to, shelter, to, to uh, social distance from each other and you can reach it out to the helicopter while it's in the air. I've got a gun for that. <laughs> this is twenty-first century. So yeah, nitro episode, huh? Um, yeah, they they they're interested in the nitro episode. Um, so yeah, listener listener feedback. They're interested in they're interested in YS, and definitely. We're still, uh, you know, maybe that could be part of the episode. Hey guys, we're looking for a cheap fifty or fifty-five nitro engine that we're gonna blow up. Yeah. If you got one. Hit us an email or Facebook, and let's 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 make a deal. I'm just amused that the whole YS makes so much power; it's amazing. Blah blah thing continues to persist. Yes, mm. it's great, you know, when you get one that works. The interesting thing is the guys are really going through the trouble to get that power, despite it, you know, despite all the pain. I mean, look, uh, Jay has worked with Gregor to machine an adapter for the YS engine to use the OS carb. Yeah. Um, yeah that's, me that's, that's, that's not free. <laughs> Their quality control is bullshit. I kind of said to hell with YS after the third time I bought a crank, and it was oversized and would not fit the damn engine. Yeah, our, yeah. our trusted friends basically told us that you know they, their, their quality control went bad over a decade. So, you mean you want power? The one boat? For that already sailed, and it was getting an overarching engine and putting a YS or a OS carb on it. Because Dan did it, and he was like, this is magical. You know, the funny thing is YS engines kind of remind me of monster trucks. They are brilliant and loud and full of power, uh, usually for like the five minutes they're on. But usually, if it doesn't end up upside down with broken axles, it yeah. ends up, you know, cut off and they're getting out and, and, and they end up with a cut off getting out and being pulled or pushed off the off the arena floor because something's gone wrong with the engine. Basically. <laughs> Whereas the Rossi um, motors were top notch and they put an OS car on and they were magical. Yeah. All the goofy tuning problems that the non-regulated stuff had. And holy shit, you want to talk about actual measured power increases? Yeah. Without all the horrible quality assurance problems of YS? And having to deal with Richard. <laughs> Not our Richard, of course. 
Right. <laughs> <laughs> a different a different Connex container of Richards. Yes. So when Nova Rossi said we're not doing Heli Engines anymore, I was pretty upset. I was like, well shit. Guess I'm stuck with OS. Well, the thing is is OS may not make the power that everyone so desperate for it's not hard to make it make more but power. it just keeps working they had, they leave a lot on the table in their motor it's not hard to take one modify it and i don't mean like see to your pants modify it but actually do a little bit of math do some port timing make your timing card and do it it's not hard to get a couple more percent out of it no but that takes actual effort yeah it does but hey, you know, the it's thing not, it's not just it. mixing and matching parts to find magic. That takes like yeah. legitimate effort, and there's a lot of people in this hobby who are lazy for power. Yeah. You know what, though? I'll be able to go to a fun fly and be like, oh, look, my motor started on the first pull, and I get to fly all weekend without thinking about it. Hey, man, I keep flying and flying and flying. No one gives a shit because I'm not, I'm not within two feet of the ground. <laughs> Ah, uh, move along to the main topic. <laughs> Let's get this started. Um, so a little bit of why and how this came up. So in the last episode, uh, annual maintenance, we talked about Hanson Hobbies and the crimpers that make available. Um, we recorded that. Uh last day of March, the last day of March, we recorded that. And, um, Jaggy actually did a great job getting the episode out and getting the, getting the audio out, uh, quicker this time. And so we're actually recording on the 22nd of April right now. But, uh, in between that time, uh, I ran into a new, f- a new post over in Heli freak. People are getting into a wire crimper conversation. And uh, it reminded me of some stuff I didn't know, and uh, that led to a conversation between the group of us, uh, you know, internally, and to which to which opinions were tossed around in a room. No arguing, just opinions were tossed around in a room. And I said, you know what? It's time for this to become a topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were, I mean, it was not a heated conversation. It was just a good conversation. It was a good conversation. Because I think it was, you know, Mike brought up some things that we didn't know about different style crimpers. And connectors. I, I'd known I, I'd known that there was other things going on, and I'd experienced a little bit of it um, yeah. years ago when I used to do a lot more uh, Ethernet terminations, the RJ45 connections. Right. I used to, I used to yeah. wire a lot of data centers and, and, and networks when I was in the Marine Corps. And, um, uh, you know, I, I started to learn what good crimpers are and bad crimpers are, just, just even dealing with RJ45 connections. Right. And, um, so, you know, I knew there was more going on, but, you know, without the experience uh, or, or, you know, without the experience or understanding more deeply, like more deeply about the, the wire you're terminating in or, or how that item actually, you know, comes in contact with the wire, mm-hmm. you end up just being a mindless tool, just, you know, smashing away stuff going, oh, I think it's good. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, it's true. Yeah. Uh, the goal of this episode, is to get the listeners the information so that they can evaluate the wire term the wire terminal in their hands and decide what, what crimper crimper, yeah, what crimper it needs to 
properly crimp it to the wire. Right. Um, it's not about a brand thing. It's about the connector you've got, recognizing it, and using the right tool to do it. Yep. Yep. Right? Yep. Or to crimp uh, it. Yep. Um, however, as Mike will get into, there is a lot of brand stuff going on. <laughs> yeah, there is. Oh boy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and we uh, and and yeah, uh, Mike came over to my place, socially distanced in my driveway, and I begged him to come back to the podcast and help us with this episode. <laughs> uh, i wanted to see how bad that begging was going on uh yeah i got some looks from uh, his um <laughs> his his better half <laughs> by the yeah. way nice nice japanese hoopty oh yeah the, the rav4 the suicide car dude dude guess what dude uh oh. off topic but go ahead and keep it in i got out i went out got my car sunday my ford two hundred and eighty thousand miles. I oh started it and the dashboard lit up with you f- brother. <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> and I was like, Oh, huh, that's weird. And so I, I took my key out of the ignition and put it back in the ignition. And, it, and this time it didn't even bother to tell me you f-. It just did weird shit. It, it like jumped my, my, sp- my speedometer needle. And I was like, huh, mm, okay. So I, gr- I went and grabbed my multimeter, my fluke, and I, I put it on the terminals of my battery. And it was like, yay, we're measuring 10 volts. Oh, that explains a lot. Uh, yeah. My car is a hybrid, and uh, this its, is- its <laughs> brain is powered by 12 volts. If you pull that 12-volt is- battery, despite a 275-volt battery sitting in the back, it is a paperweight. This is straight <laughs> up stranded us at Varcha once I had to charge his hybrid battery. <laughs> no, you had to charge my 12-volt battery. Yeah, in your hybrid. Yeah. In my in my hybrid, yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, because he went to start it, he's like, "Oh shit, my car." Well, the, no, you charged you charged the our, uh, a club member's Prius. Oh yeah, I remember that one too. That was a different uh, one. Yeah, and then yeah, and then we got out there like six a.m. early one one Saturday, and I sat there with the radio on before guys got there, and um, yeah, I got out an hour later, and they came back to check on the car, and it was doorknob dead. Yeah. That's what I learned that that 12 volt battery is its life. It's yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I remember Monty, you have a battery charge. Yeah, I was gonna fly it, but this is how important. <laughs> so we discharged one of his flight packs into his car to start it. <laughs> um, um, yeah, the no, car I was not happy when he turned it back on. There was all sorts of warnings that popped up like your battery was failing. Yeah, <laughs> um. No, I, I I got I got a you know I went into my shed and grabbed my you know uh, AC car charger and gave it you know two amps for a few minutes and then went and started it and drove it around. I, car discharged. My car had been sitting for two weeks and oh. the label on the battery says 2011. Well, so yeah, yeah I'm like cute. and 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 we've been going between we went in that two week time period we went from 70 degrees. 32 degree. Oh, yeah. Back to 50. We've had, oh, yeah. It, it, the temperatures are swinging and the battery's old. I, I can't. But uh, back to wire crimpers and the main topic. Yes. So I'm going to try. You know about crimpers. So I, I, I've, I've put this out together. You know, the main, the, main, I, the main point is educate the listeners so that, you know, they can, they can determine that the terminal that they're about to crimp on, what, what should be used. Um, I know you and I talking about this, Apollo, that even one of our 
friends slash acquaintances, he, he was actually ruining connectors because he bought a new set of connectors and he's using the same tool and he was, he was terminating wires and ruining. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I have down here, die types, crimper tool types and connector types. And, uh, if you think the order needs to be changed on some of it, go for it. But, um, you know, Help me understand. Uh, help me understand what I should be using and how to recognize when I should be using which die type. All right. Well, I guess I, I will start from the concept of you've got this wire in your hand. You want to crimp it. Why are you buying it? It's the same, same thing. Most normal people, unlike myself, are not buying a power drill because it's cool when it's brushless and Milwaukee made it and it'll put a hole through a solid steel beam. They're buying it because they want a hole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hence the Radio Shack connector, Radio Shack crimper we we talked about last episode. <laughs> yeah. So, I guess if I'm looking at our viewing audience, I'm pretty sure there's a nine out of ten chance if they're showing up, they're asking about crimpers. It's for freaking servo connectors. Yep. Which coincidentally happens to be one of the most convoluted spaghetti history connectors you could have possibly picked. <laughs> not a wonderful case of uh, Amphenol made this connector, here's the crimper you use for it, that's it, the end. Like, like JST. Servo connectors are... Oh boy, you, you picked a great one. So they've got a... Like, like a lot of the things that have been in the hobby for a long time, the hobby started out as a bunch of dudes just putting crap together in sheds, like the ham radio industry. So there wasn't much standardization. They just picked something that worked really well. And what they picked was uh, 2.54, or for people who love freedom units, 100 thou spacing header pins. Anyone that's played with Arduino or breadboard knows that spacing. And you've got several companies that back in the day were making interconnects for circuit boards. And one of them is Berg, who I think later became DuPont, and now Amphenol bought them. And now they're, I think it's T connectivity, but whatever. The point being, they have a connector called Mini PV, which, if you go look it up, is going to be your typical little black connector that has 100,000 spacing that has square header pins. And that's your typical quote unquote servo connector. That's like the archetypical one. So, so got, a quick question uh, Amphenol and Amp, are they the same company? Yep. Okay, because I've got a pair of Amp crimpers. Generally, if you see Amp crimpers, it means Amphenol. Okay. Yeah, blue-handled, yellow writing. Yeah, a lot of times if you see amp somewhere, you'll see Amphenol. Keep going. So, uh, yeah, T Connectivity, they did buy Amphenol in, like, 2012. So there you go. So if you look up Amphenol crap, it'll probably say T Connectivity on it. T Connectivity? T-E Connectivity. Okay. I think it might be involved with Tyco, but I'm not sure. So anyway, so you've got this little connector, and... The, the three-pin version that everyone knows is just one of many hundreds of versions of it. You can get double-row, triple-row, block connectors, whatever. It's all the same generic thing. It's just servos only need power ground signals, so that's what you see everywhere. And then you got companies like Futaba who started making enough of them that they just came out with their own version or they ran into people plugging them in backwards. Like In the early days, they weren't wired in such a way that you couldn't blow them up. There was a lot of cases where they put the ground in the middle. So you could flip them around and blow your signal line up. Hence, hence version one, uh, MSH brain. 
Yeah, there was that. Well, that was an example of you've got, I think, what was it? There's three wires and I'm trying to remember. Was that actually because if you flipped them around, it would blow up? Or was that just because there were those three pins on the end that you weren't supposed to put power to? No, no three pins. flip them around. Yeah, you can really? flip it around, blow it up. Yep. Yeah, the flat, the flat headed, the flat plastic ones version. I have one sitting right here on my desk that got blown I up that way. Never blew one up. I remember hearing about that, and I remember I opened version two, and I'm like, oh, look, they got reverse polarity resistors. But I didn't know it was actually laid out in such a way that it would explode when you did that. That's that's a fun story. I'll send it to you, and you can tell me what actually happened to it. Uh, it might be easy to fix. It might not be. All right. So anyway. <laughs> So you got this three-pin connector. You get some companies that do a lot of throughput. They start making their own twist on it. Like, uh, for example, a real Amphenol Mini PV or whatever um, does not have chamfered edges on it. It's square. It does not have the... Where do you you see this chamfered edge on it? So if you're looking at it head-on into the... If you're looking at... If you were aligning... You're talking talking about the the plastic. Talk about the plastic or the actual terminal. The plastic. If you're looking Plastic, okay. into the connector from the terminal side, yeah, like a an RC one, you'll often see where they have chamfered edges along. Yeah, it. right. Yeah, it's not perfectly rectangular. And uh, I'm trying to remember who the other manufacturer starts with an H. It's a cheaper company, but um, they're square. They're just generic and square. Yeah, or they like never. Molex SL is another one that is similar. It's a hundred thousand spacing, so you can use it, and the pin length is the same. I use them because they latch, but they're not compatible well i'll get in that in a minute but they're square most connectors like that are square the casings of them yeah. so then you've got comments like futaba who added their own little touches to it like uh, the alignment spline that futaba connectors have they call it the j the futaba j connector yeah that's not a standard industry thing that's a futaba thing, futaba thing yeah so now we get into all right well it started with this kind of connector the idea of using 100,000 header pins, which is super common in prototyping. And then you've got, all right, well, it's everywhere in RC now. So then the fun part is, and this is where I got into it with Rich, is so they, 100,000 header pin. Okay, sure. You can get into details where maybe one is rounded and one is square or X amount of header pin length versus how thick the, the insulator is and all the other nonsense. You can get into that, but for the most part, a hundred thou jumper, if it fits on the pin, it'll work. Right. Yeah, because there's no housing around it. It's just a, no, it's a bear. It's just, yeah. Right. Yeah, it's just a bear and standing there. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to get into the fun part now, it's the housing in the female crimp. And I guess I guess right. I should probably clear this up before we get into it. Is when I'm talking engineering stuff, I'm talking with fellow technicians and all that. Female connector means pins. Yeah. A lot of people make that mistake. The direction of the pin. Yeah. Of what now, we typically think. You can get yeah, into the terminology of plug and socket, in which case now you're talking about the housing. Yeah. Right. But if you're talking female or male connector and you're talking to a bunch of crusty engineers, they're going to be talking about header pins or the pin itself. Like which one does the actual pin go into? Yeah. The, yeah. Cause the header pin that is soldered to a circuit board would be a female. Or not a female, it'd be male. That'd be the male, male connection. Yeah. It had a shroud on it or something, right? Because this, is, this isn't really just like a me thing or, a, or our department thing. It's like if you get a digikey and you look up rectangular connectors or male connectors, it's going to say male connector, and then it'll say something like shrouded, which is often the case for you know, like debug ports on boards. But 
So point being, if I'm talking about the female servo connector is the one that's on your servo wire. But if you want to get into the weeds, we get into crimps. This is where things get f***y. F***y, it's a word. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is actually where our conversation got into, you know, we got into our conversation where where we were talking about the different types of, you know, round and D-ring, all that crap. Yeah, because I lit... I lit Rich up like, why are you doing that? That's not the right crimp for it. He's like, what are you talking about? Works fine. I'm like, oh, wait, this came with Hanson crimps, so it can work with that crimper, and uh, it gets bad. So we'll start from square one. So the mini PV, the one we talked about, the one from Amphenol slash DuPont slash Berg slash whoever else bought them in the history of whatever. That guy. If you take a Futaba servo plug, unless they've changed this, and you pop one of the crimps out, and you look at the insulation wings, the actual winglets that cover the insulation, not the, the crimp up front, right behind the little boxy section that crimps mm-hmm. into the actual conductor. You're talking so, about the stuff that's on the uh, insulation. Yeah, so if you're looking at, at a crimp, the first set of winglets that you come to is going to be what crimps over the insulation and holds the insulation in place. And see, that doesn't get soldered or anything. It generally provides a, a soft mount where it can flex some without breaking wire. This is why... You don't really want to crimp high vibration connections or mm-hmm. not solder. Sorry. Sorry. Solder. Yeah. Yeah. So that holds the wire firmly, but not with an iron grip. So it doesn't create a stress riser. That is unless well, we'll get into this, unless you crimp it like mm-hmm. Hercules. And but anyway, so the first winglets is going to be your insulation crimp. And the next set is going to be what actually crimps the conductor. Now, if you're looking at mini PV crimps, those first winglets, you're going to look at them, you're going to notice that they're offset of each other. One is slightly behind the other. You also notice that they're kind of long. And the reason for that is they don't get crushed down into the wire. They actually wrap around it like somebody hugging the wire. Okay. And this is done with a round die. So the actual, the hole in the crimper is round. So now, all right, that's one kind. And the problem is, because of the length of those pins, if you go using a different crimper, it'll actually push them down to the wire and cut the insulation up, and it's not so great. So you get the other kind of crimp, which is much, much more common. This is where you get into crimper proprietary designs, and it causes grief. So that whole wraparound thing, is not very common. That's very unique to the Mini PV series and a couple of others. What's much more common is known as the open barrel crimp or the F or B crimp, which is probably the one most people have seen where you've got two squared off winglets and they get rolled over down into the wire. It looks like a, the letter B if you're looking at the back of the crimp after it's been Right. Been and that's yeah. what we were talking about. Right. Right. And that's very common. You know, like JST XH, pretty much all the JST series, Model XSL, and a whole mountain of others are crimped that way. Right. A lot of servo companies, MKS, for example, I know them and I know Align, they don't use mini PVs anymore. They use just regular double open barrel crimps. Right. Now, those you can use pretty much most generic crimpers and they'll do them fine. It's the goofy mini PV thing that causes a lot of people grief. So if, if I see uh, a connector, the, the part that goes over the insulation is squared off, which die should I be using? Right. So if you're getting into dies now, so you've got the wire in your hand and you see one that's square. 
Yeah. Both, both winglets are symmetrical. The whole connector is symmetrical. And they're the same length. Right. They're, they're kind of short and they're exactly opposite of each other. No offset. Right. Yeah. Right. That means you're, you're not looking at a mini PV connector. You're looking at just a regular, probably maybe it's a Molex SL or something else. I'm trying to remember the other copy that makes a lot of these things starts with an H. While we're talking, I'll look it up on uh, DigiKey. But that means you're looking at a standard B crimp or F type crimp. B or F type crimp, okay. So yeah, I mean, this is the same name for the same thing, but usually it's an F, F type crimp or open barrel crimp. Right, or D or double D or whatever. You know. uh, yeah, sometimes you hear it called double D. So D mm-hmm. crimp alone is different, but some people will call it a double D. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking at that, cool. It means you've got a generic type of crimp tool and you can just use whatever for that. And Because um, this is where we were talking about is the, the differences in those pins that actually wrap around the wire or whether yeah. they're crimped into the wire. And we're talking exactly. about the sheathing now. We're not talking about the wire. And the thing is, too, here's the other camera. So if you're looking at that crimp, and if you have done a B-type crimp correctly, you have not crushed those winglets into the conductor on the insulation crimp. Mm-hmm. If you've done that, you've used too much force. They're not meant to do that. They're not meant to crush the back of the wire, because otherwise you've now missed the point of the insulation crimp firmly, but not iron grip holding the wire. And now you have a stress riser at the back of the crimp, and it'll probably snap if it gets exposed to a lot of vibration. Okay. So well, another is, sign would, would be like if the wire is coming apart. I'm talking about the sheathing. If it's coming apart or anything at the end after yeah, you do like, the crimp, if you, if you've if over-crimped it. Right. If you've gone and crimped it so hard that the insulation is now shredding or you've cut mm-hmm. into the insulation severely, or if you just didn't put the insulation in there at all and you double-crimped it on the conductor, now you have a stress riser at that back 90 degree corner of where that crimp is holding the wire. And it's no better than a, a, the soldered connection at that point. Cause now you've got a point where the stress is going to rise. Gotcha. Snap there. So this is the part where let's see, looking at the show notes. Yeah. So die types, right? All right. So to do yeah. those two crimps, if you're, so you've got your regular, whatever, no name brand crimp. So for that, you can just use a regular F-type crimp, which is probably, you know, if you go on Amazon and you look up one of those iWIS crimpers, it'll be one of those. It's, it's where the actual, the hole for the crimp looks like, an, like a letter M, almost, like a rounded mm-hmm. M. So that's the kind of tool you would use for that. And if you're doing it correctly, with a, well, we'll get into types of crimpers here in a minute, the conductor crimp would be rather firm and, I won't say crush, but you pretty much you're compressing the conductor. It creates a cold weld. Mm-hmm. And the insulation would be firm, but not crushed. It's, it's kind of hard to do with a single action or, or double action crimper where you have to do both differently by hand. It's tough. We'll get into right. issues with that here in a minute. The other one would be if you were looking at one of those mini PV things. And here's the catch. Don't think that they just come with Futaba or something. A lot of times when you buy crimper sets on Amazon, they are fairly well made. They are gold plated, but surprise, they're mini PV connections. Right. Mm-hmm. We were talking about, I found some in my sets that, and I think I got these in my local hobby shop. Yeah. That they have the winglets. That they had the winglets and they weren't the same thing. Around, I mean, yeah. You and I were talking about it and we were like, why are, you know, this, explain why this one is different. And you, you know, of course you've just gone through it. Yeah. And I said, go, go look. I bet you got both. 
Yeah, and I did. I had both. And the thing is, I remember you saying that, oh, well, I was, I've been crimping these with the Hanson. I'm like, what crimps have you been using with the Hanson? The Hanson ones. Yeah. So that's and why that's they work fine. That's why they work fine. The one fine, that right. Hanson supplies is a standard F-type crimp. So it works perfectly fine with the Hanson crimper, which is made for that. Right. The yeah. problem is when you grab mini PVs, which aren't meant to be crimped down into the wire, they're meant to be wrapped around. Right. Now they either they get crushed, you know, there's too much lead there, they start to roll over and cause all sorts of other nonsense. Mm-hmm. Or because they're offset, they can sometimes get crooked when they get crushed. And they don't fit in the, the housing all that great. So to deal with mini PVs, if you ever look at a... Well, if, if you're lucky enough to work in a technical job, you might have put your hands on a real mini PV or Berg or DuPont crimping tool, and you'll notice the front crimp that goes on the conductor is an F-type. You know, it's the double mm-hmm. D-looking type thing, or it's the, it looks like an M. The back mm-hmm. one is a circle. And it's, it's meant to gently wrap those two winglets around the insulation. And it's going to be a round die. And right. if we're talking RC stuff, it's usually like a 0.8 millimeter. So a tool, we'll get into tool types in a minute, but a tool that I've seen for that, I've been looking around for one for a long time. Uh, a company called Hosan, H-O-Z-A-N, out of Japan, makes one called the 706. And that one has that round die on there. And um, I don't know how many of our listeners are airplane people, but a guy I know who's into the airplane side builds a shit ton of airplanes for people. Chris Barton had been complaining to me that, yeah, I, I keep trying to do this with this iWIS thing and the crimps I've got, and it's always ass. It's, it's always a pain in the ass. I'm like, it's not supposed to be try this tool. And I did it in front of him and he was like, oh my God, that looks like factory. And I'm like, yeah, take a look at the die I use though. It's different. And he went and bought what it had within three days. Huh? So here's, so I guess we'll get into, uh, there's, there's other types of crimps, but I'm going to limit this just to the RC stuff, like the servo connector for brevity. Right. We could talk about this for several days of different crimps. Right. Uh, so I'll mention if a tool is useful for other things that are super common, like uh, JST balance leads, JST yeah. Mm-hmm. series. Yeah. yeah, those get a lot of people are like, oh man, my freaking thing fell off, or this battery came with weird leads on it. I'm like, well, just change it. You go on DigiKey for a dollar, you can buy like 300 crimp ends. Well, not that cheap, but yeah, not 100 yet. you could probably get for a couple dollars. So, crimper tool types. You've probably seen there's some that are real simple, like the 706, where it's just it looks like a pair of scissors or a pair of wire strippers. Mm-hmm. Those are single action crimpers. Generally, they're, uh, they're simple. They're low cost. The idea behind those is usually you can toss those into a field text bag and you can make a, a quick field repair or something. They're durable. They don't have moving parts in them that can get broken or something stuck in them. So they're great for, you know, like a, a cell tower guy having to make a quick crimp in the field somewhere or a mechanic having to do it. The catch with those now is because they don't have a ratcheting, they don't have any force limiter or crimp material, is you as the crimping guy have to pay very close attention to how much pressure you're applying. You also have to do the crimping operation twice per crimp. You have to do the one for the conductor, and then you have to do the one for the insulation. Right, and you have to use the right hole in the crimper to do that. Well, we'll get into the ones that are fully automated. So then you've got... Um, a double action crimp, which is where it has both the conductor and the insulation crimp. And generally these 
they're designed in such a way that the crimp that handles the insulation is slightly larger. So when you've fully pressed down on the actual conductor crimp, you won't be crushing the insulation. And usually these kind of tools, you'll see them, they'll have a, a two sets of dies in the jaws. You know, there'll be a front mm-hmm. and a back one. A lot of times they'll have several different holes. Like, uh, for example, a bunch of people probably used them. The IWIS, I-W-I-S-S connectors you can get on Amazon. They make a lot of double action crimpers. Word to the wise, though, while we're talking about crimper tools is uh, I went looking around because I thought, all right, well, these guys make tons of stuff and they sell to hobby people. They must make something. So I found one. They have a crimper tool that says it, it's for DuPont connectors. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> I, I got really excited. I looked really close and I'm like, it still has B-type crimps for both the insulation and the, uh, and the front. So maybe they were trying to say, hey, it'll do servo connector crimps. But the thing is, the mini PV style ends are still super common. And the chances of you getting them are very high still. So at that point, if you're going to get a crimper for RC connections, unless you already know that the stuff you're buying is going to be a, a non-PV style, it's going to have the regular B-type crimps, it, you might as well just go through the, the pain of getting something that'll do both. Right. And to be fair, there's other small, round, like, D-ring crimpers that can benefit from that kind of crimp. Mm-hmm. So. I did actually end up calling them or emailing them rather and ask him, Hey, you know, I saw that you have this model and it says this, but it doesn't. They're really common. Do you have any plans? Apparently I caught them in the middle of, they said they're developing a, a die set for that crimper line that'll handle PV connections. Hmm. So I'd be nice to have, I told them if they come out with that, you, I will definitely spread the news around and I'll be one of the people buying them because as nice as the Jose and crimpers are, they are still a two-part, and it's, you still really have to be careful when you do the insulation that you don't accidentally crush it. And I know people are going to ask me for, well, you got any torque specs? You got any pressure? Or how much should I be using? And honestly, it's, it's really kind of hard to say. Like, if this was like a, a um, not DuPont, but uh, well, I can't remember the name of it. It's the one, oh, Deutsch Connector. So this is a Deutsch pin for automotive stuff, like for the race car, the formula cars I worked with then there's a dial on the side of it and I can look it up in a book and say, you know, X amount of pounds per square inch that set it to and put the pin in there and squeeze it and it clicks. Whereas with this, really all I can tell you is make sure it's a firm crimp, but you're not cutting the wire when you do the, uh, the conductor. And then for the insulation, close the, the crimps on the insulation until you see them starting to press into it, but don't go any further. Like it should hold the wire. But the insulation crimp should not be crushing the wire. So, Mike, let me ask you this about the crimpers. Now, like, I've got three sets of crimpers sitting in front of me. They're all ratchet type. Okay. All of them have the same style adjuster for adjusting the tension. You take a screw out, you turn a little cam that has a notch in it, it lets you adjust that tension. Does that adjust the tension for both sides of that crimp? Am I crimping? In other words, if I crimp it properly for the size wire that I'm using, that I'm not, not crushing the sleeve... Am I still getting the right pressure so on the wire part? The model of the crimper, uh-huh. I can only take an assumption, but I would make the assumption that that is adjusting the conductor crimp. And that by okay. extension, if it's been designed right, it won't be crushing the insulation. So if you adjust that slightly, 
it's not going to ruin your insulation crimp. My thing is I'm going to be more worried about the crimp on the actual conductor than I am yes. on what's on the sleeve. So that's what's the most, that's the most important part. Right. Because if you don't do it hard enough, you're not going to get the cold weld action. That right. And if you do right. it too much, you can actually crush the, the metal back. will start to flow in a liquid fashion. I mean, it's very mm -hmm. high viscosity. People don't think about it, but all the you know, metal extrusions and stuff, metal will flow in a liquid fashion with enough pressure. And if you do it hard enough, you can actually crush the wire so much that you're squeezing it out of the crimp. And now you're left with like a thin film of wire holding it in there. You can, if you apply enough pressure straight up, crush the wire completely off and it just falls off. Right. And the scary thing is it'll look like it's there. It'll look like it's held in there and the insulation crimp will often hold it in place just enough if you tug on it until you put the thing into use and then it fails or you've got a very high resistance connection. Right. Because we hadn't talked about how resistance plays a role in the way that the wire is crimped. Yeah. So, so that's pretty much for, uh, for tool types. Is, you know, you've got your simple single action, then you've got your ratcheted kind. But really, the most critical part is, is make sure you're using the right die for the job. That's a big one, yeah. I mean, I, I know it sucks to hear that. It'd be nice if you had one tool for everything. No, it's, but it, you're right, because... When we were talking about it, and we were, and like I said, in my mind, I have Hanson connectors, and I didn't know this until you and I talked about it, or the three of us talked about it. But until I looked at the actual connector, the metal part of the connector, and saw what you were talking about with those tabs that overlap, I didn't notice the difference in the two of them. You know what I mean? In other words, I didn't know I had both in my box. Yeah, but I, I know. Because I always buy my supplies from Hanson. You never had to worry about it. I never really worried about it until we made a comment and I went looking for something that was different and I did have some different brands in my box. I just don't use them. And the thing is, I know a lot of people will buy sets off Amazon. I, I'm, I'm one of those people. The thing is, it's caveat emptor. You know, if you know what you're getting and I get some in and they're like, oh, they're mini PV saw or whatever. I've got the tool for this. Right. Whereas someone who doesn't know any better might try to toss us into the Hanson crimper and yeah, it'll crimp it. But a lot of times using a B-type crimp on the mini PV winglets will crush it into the insulation quite severely. And a lot of times it'll mm -hmm. deform it or it'll push the insulation up where it won't even want to fit into the connector without using a lot of force. Mm -hmm. Which is... Uh, yeah, you get this ballooning effect on the end of it. Yeah, yeah, it's how you have your S-bus wire bust off in flight and destroy your helicopter. <laughs> Actually, yeah. we had a guy at the field lose a jet to that. I, I, think, to you've, I think you've actually done a pretty good job of describing the, the difference in those two connectors. Yeah, I mean, I think styles. you have as well. And, and we've done this in the past where we put yeah. it up on Facebook. Oh, absolutely. Look at. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but so you, you, you're on that, you're on the Hanson Hobbies page, Mike? Uh, yes, I am on the Hanson Hobbies page. So that to me, yeah, sounds see, like, he says it right there. He says for Futaba J connectors, you see how they have winglets on them? They have wings, I see, but everything's squared. Everything's the same length. It looks like you would line up perfectly. Like, yeah, it's, it's like they're not it. like this is not the one that would hug around the insulation, right? But rather, it would, it would, it would from the picture. But they don't look like they have the offset winglets. They're not. These are. I've got a set of these right here. They're not. They are not offset. Yeah, uh, so offset. There, there you go. So this would not be. This would. This would not be an example of a mini PV. This is an exactly. example of a. Uh, uh, Those are just regular. Um, what would you call them? I guess. Double D FB. Yeah, like your standard, just hundred thou 
Yeah. Hydraulics SL ones are very similar to that. Okay, I'm going. And then, and then this, as far as an industry is concerned, which die would crimp this connect? You would use a double F connector for both the front and the rear on that. Double F. Let me say this better. What die? What die in your tool would be used? Because when we talked about dies, you know, we got square, round, and and FB. It it would be a Type F. Type F. It's the one that looks like a little M. When it's done, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so that one. This right here will show you. Look at the picture I sent you. There's also a picture in there. I see the picture you sent, and I'm oh, trying oh, to... I see what you're seeing, the offset, yeah. It actually shows you the measurements of the offset. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That offset on those winglets is what does it. Right. They're meant to wrap past each other with a round die. Yeah, right, instead, of like, right, right. Instead, of, instead of your hands hitting each other in the back, if someone was really skinny... Right, they're going to pass each other. They're going to pass exactly. each other. And they're like long you... because of that. Yes. And the back of it is round. It's not square. Bingo, that's the other thing. The back of one of these connectors, the crimp, it's rounded. Yeah, it's round. It's not square. The other one is square. Right. So when you go to put one of these in a D-type crimp, it doesn't really work. It crushes it and usually deforms it. Here's another picture here. Right here. This is what happens when you don't use the right tool with the winglets. Yeah, I ran into that picture. Yeah, that garbage on the bottom where it crushes them, and you see how they're wider than the crimp, and they just don't work? Right. Yeah, it's crushed them. So now the damn thing's not even going to fit into your housing. Holy shit. Yeah. So Okay, we need to find that same a same picture like that that shows the uh the F-style connector. That shows how right, it should look. A I'm looking for that. The one on the left looks passable, but it looks kind of shitty. The one on the right looks better. That's yeah. the difference between using a okay tool and the one meant for it. Gotcha. Show me, show me the dies that do those two different crimps. Exactly. Yes. And find a link so I can buy them. Uh, well, if you're using the the Hanson connectors and the Hanson uh, thing, you're here, fine. Here's the one that did the JST. And actually, most of these crimp tools, if I go back to, uh, if I go back, because the purpose is is that. You can you can recognize the the uh, terminal. You can yeah, you can recognize the terminal. Choose the right die and make a good crimp. And then these pictures will show you what a good crimp and a bad crimp look like. Yes, they do. Yeah. There we go. I'm gonna go back to. Uh, uh, here we go. I'm gonna dig up the data sheet for the actual crimp tool, and hopefully they have a drawing on here of the actual. You know, they show what it's supposed to look like and how it's crimped, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that, which, okay, so this says JST, says it's made in yeah. Germany. Which so that one is for the, the, the double F, where it's got two F crimps, right? So I'm trying so to So this find is for one. the standard one we run into almost every day. Yeah, that would be like this is typical. This is your little M you're talking about. Okay, yeah. so I'm not seeing what you, are you seeing the green handle crimpers? Is that what you're? Yeah, and then click open original. And then zoom there in with your browser. I got gotcha. you. There you go. This shows both types of crimps. You see that little 1.8 millimeter diameter hole right there? Yeah. Yeah, that's the magic. That's the round die for doing those silly PV crimps. 
Oh yeah, I see. Because all right. all the rest all the rest are the little M. Yeah, they're, whereas they're, that one's round. round. So then, what the magic would be to find the die that has this particular set of measurements? For right. The see, now that's the catch. I went and asked. I was like, "Hey, um, I really don't want to spend five grand for the official Amphenol connector for the Amphenol uh, crimper, the HT nine five. So, uh, y'all mind making a set of dies for your most popular crimper for this?" And their answer was, "Yeah, we already got one almost done. Just wait a little while. We'll have it out." I see why people go for the hose and P seven hundred six because it has it has the the it's round. It's got both, and it's a quality tool, but it's not meant for mass production because the ratcheting no. one's nice because you can you can dial in the pressure yeah, you put on it. Yeah, production line, technicians in a work area where they're just doing it day in day out. This one would be good for a hobbyist who's just trying to repair something or doing it every once. Right, in a while. just like we were talking about last week, they'll get you by in a in a in a yeah. yeah. You're making like a handful of servo leads, like for me, right when I built the jet. Yeah, I think I make. The jet probably has every bit of 100 feet of servo wire in it. Yeah. Not a single extension in there. And yeah, it took a while to do all of that. With this tool. Yeah. But I was able to do all of my Molex SL connections, that, you know, the locking connectors in the wings, all the servo mm-hmm. lines, everything. And it, it took a day or two of messing with it a couple of hours a day. But I did that once. And that's it. It's um, not like... You know, this tool, if you practice a little bit and, and get a feel for how much pressure you're supposed to use, a simple field service tool is, is all you need unless you're making... If you're a professional builder who's building tons of stuff for people, I hate using that term, but if you're building tons of stuff or you're just a guy like uh, like Brandon Gaither who's got a used car lot of helicopter kits in his garage because he builds them constantly, then yeah, you, you would you'd be the market for someone who would want to buy the more convenient double action ratcheting crimp. So let me ask you this question as far as technique in using something like the Hosan 706. Is it bad for me to start crimping it and pause and take a look at it and then finish it? No. As long as you make sure that the crimp lines up where you were doing it, it's fine. Okay. Now how difficult it is to realign it? it By that, I mean... Don't put the thing in there sideways accidentally. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. But I mean, like, if you do it like halfway and you pull it out to look at it, th- when you slide it back in, will it kind of, will you, will you really know? Like, will it kind of fit? It self centers a little bit, honestly. Yeah, that's make what sure I mean, that yeah. when you close it, the, the, the die is closing on the same part. You're not putting it in there at an angle or something else. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's what I was wondering is like, will it self center? Let me ask this on, on like the 706 because it's a great example. It's got the one for the PVs, the round, the round yeah, the die part, millimeter, which isn't like to spec, but it's close enough that it works really well. It works well. And so that one will help you do that. But if we're going to do the standard BF type, you know, the one that's more common, yeah. which one of these would I use for the insulation and which one would I use for the conduct? So generally in that case, it really depends on the crimp. If you look in the manual for the crimp, it'll tell you. I know that servo connectors don't tell you that because they're just quote-unquote servo connectors, kind of the way that... Mass-produced bullshit. Yeah, 98% of the hobby thinks that the little red connector is a JST connector, when in actuality, it's... I, I forgot the model number even, but it's a specific JST America connector. 
Yeah, it's like yeah, calling yeah. every it's like calling every automobile on the road a Ford. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's a Ford there. It's a truck. Oh, it's a nice Ford. It's a sedan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, because then you got like GST, JSD is whatever it calls it, but you've got XHPH, they make SH. hundreds of different connectors. Oh, yes. Uh, so this still this still brings me to if I'm dealing with like a, a twenty gauge servo wire, right? Which one of these would I use? to crimp the insulation and which one would I use to crimp the conductor? Cause I don't think I'm going to use the 1.4 on both of them. No. So for experience, generally, if we're looking at the, the Hosan, yeah. um, the 1.7 millimeter one is usually what I've used and you can use it for both the insulation and the conductor, unless the wire has really thick insulation. But there's the okay. other catch you run into is crimps do have a specified wire gauge they're meant to be used with. Mm-hmm. So before we go too far on that one, are, are you fully crimping down with the 1.7 on the insulation or, or are you just hugging it or kissing it? Uh, firmly, but I'm not trying to crush it. And that's where I get into the whole, the single action crimps, they, they take a modicum of experience. Okay. So now, to be fair, there's an asterisk on this, like there always is on topics like this. Sure. Manufacturers do make field repair tools where the intended the design of it is such that if you crush the thing within an inch of its life, you get a perfect crimp. It's been machined in such a way that when you put the factory crimp in there in the factory tool with a wire gauge that is specified for that crimp, you just crush it. If all variables are taken care of. Yeah. The tool will stop, you know, the jaws will close before you crush the wire. But when you get into quote unquote universal tools like this, it's it's up to you now to figure out you know how thick is this wire does it mean i have to use the 1.4 or the 1.7 yeah so let me ask you this so for a general person right who's shortening his servo leads on his helicopter Uh i'm still going to stand by that the best way to do that is a set of the ratcheting crimpers and in the with all this discussion about the different types of uh of you know the connector itself if you're using a connector that's designed to use the f style crimp yeah. and a set of rationing crimpers that's going to be the easiest and the probably the best way for the average person that doesn't do it all the time to get a good crimp yeah i would say so if you just want the easy button it would right. be uh either go get the let me look it up well first i want to post a picture into our show chat that very, very succinctly summarizes what I was talking about. Here we go. The, so either the Hanson Crimpers or the iWiz SN28B. Mm-hmm. And if I am getting the model number right, pretty much either one of those, and then make sure you're not buying PV-type connectors. Right. So get a ratcheting connector. So the Hanson's going to be the easy button because he sells the pins that are guaranteed to work with it. And uh, yep. But it, if you're a bit of a tinker, yeah, you could go get something like the iWiz ones for like uh, 28 to 18 gauge DuPont style pins. I mean, they call them that, but they're not. And then just make sure the crimps that you're getting are the right kind for your your crimper. And then yeah, just, just go on with it. Right. See, so, so with Hanson, you're buying the you'd buy the tool. You'd buy his pins and you'd buy his connect because the the part, the connector part, the part that the pin goes into is also specific to the pin. Yes, the housing as well. So the housing you, is specific. I didn't mention that, but 
That's a very good point. But after you've chosen your crimp type and you have your crimp, all 100,000 housings are not created equal. Like the right. Molex SL ones that are latching that I use for the jet are a different length. The contacts are different internally. They will accept a standard header pin like most of them do. Right. But the actual crimp that goes into the housing itself is different than, say, a mini PV or some random JST one. They won't fit. They're physically different. Like the latch is in a different spot. Yeah, right. you can't you can't mix and match the plastic housing with the with the actual terminal. Yeah, unless you know the actual pin you're using and the housing you're using, and you know which ones can be used with which. So, like mm-hmm. some can. Then unless you have that, it's really one of those where you buy them together, or like if you're on DigiKey, like I am, that you buy it'll tell you, you know, associated product or something, or the data sheet will say, "Here's the crimp. Here's the housing that goes with it." Right. Yeah, I know when I was racing Surface and I was mixing between like high tech and JR servos. And, yeah, sometimes they don't fit. And, oh yeah, mm-hmm. no, I've got I've got a you know a, a small little collection of of uh, housings to mix and match, and yeah, I could instantly pick up that like these are dimensionally different despite having the, the one <laughs> one thousandth in spacing. <laughs> yeah, they're both, they're both a hundred thou. Oh, here he is. It's high, Harwin. That's what I was thinking of. I'm on DigiKey right now. Harwin, um, yeah. The only, th- the only thing that gets me, Rich, is like I do like the ratcheting style crimper because it, it makes a job easily repeatable when you're just right. squeezing it and let go. The problem I've personally run into when I used to do a lot of uh, Ethernet termination was sometimes someone would adjust the tool right. or the tool oh, would yeah. come adjusted poorly from the factory surprise and right. and i had to have enough brains you know until i terminated and plugged it into the computer and it didn't work what i still think is a thing there is you have to understand whether or not that tool is set up to let you crimp too tight or too loose you need to know the tool itself yeah and if you you get one you hope it comes properly adjusted for what you're dealing with in the factory but otherwise it means rtfm because right. um, i didn't mention it but some of the fancy crimping tools, like the, the older versions of the DuPont one for doing the old school mini PVs, they do not have a release key anywhere. And a lot of techs will modify it to have that with like a piece of string. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you put the crimp in those wrong, unless you know how to unkey the thing, you're basically going to end the day with a set of broken dies. Ugh. Mm. And for those, that's uh, it's several hundred dollars. And I, to go back, Monty, to what you were just talking about a little bit, the goal here was to be able to identify the connector and get a good crimp, right? To know what yep. you're doing. That was That's the goal, yep. Okay, so that's the goal. If I'm an average guy, yep. and I get that set of crimpers that's just, not the, not the ratcheting style, but the other style, where it actually takes some knowledge to understand how the, you know, that you've gotten a good crimp. How hard to got, squeeze. How hard to squeeze it. Yep. Which you're going to have, I would have to sit down with Mike and have him show me that. You know what I mean? Especially on the, on the insulator, not on the insulator, but on the um, conductor's portion. Cause I can, I can look at the insulator and go, okay, I've over tightened it. It's ballooning or it's whatever. I've cut it. The idea of the, why I'm saying the ratcheting for the average guys can be better is even if it's not adjusted perfectly, it's going to be consistent. Or you're going to be very inconsistent if you don't know what you're doing with the other ones. I, I agree. Uh, uh, a single a single action tool 
has has you has the variable of you for inconsistency. Whereas as as the ratcheting tool, its inconsistency is going to be consistent and you can adjust from there. Right. I now I agree. Right. Um, I'm talking about for the average guy. I'm not talking about for the you know, the guy that knows what he's doing, the train tech, that kind of stuff. I'm talking about the guy that's just got his freaking 450 out. He needs to shorten his or he's got a broken servo leader. He's you know done something he's just got to do his fix with. Nah, I don't know. You, Mike makes a really good point about spending the money to do something that's, you know, to get a ratcheting tool. So but let, let me ask right. you this, Mike, because I, I, I used to, my father used to be a authorized Motorola repair person company, you know, back in the day when they still repaired that. Stuff. And I remember him playing with stuff like this. And I remember seeing him crimp the conductor, give it a tug test. Yes. And then crimp the insulation. That well, makes sense. And it's something I just informally do a lot. Yes. That was something I remember seeing him do was he would crimp the, the conductor, the wire, give it a give it a little tug test, hulk out on it, crimp the crimp the housing. Um and I, I don't I don't remember if he had a ratcheting, you know double action tool or a single action. I know he had a lot of ratcheting style. Unfortunately, that stuff got sold before I got a hold of it. Darn. Yeah. <laughs> he probably had some pretty good stuff. Probably <laughs> uh, Jensen. Jensen and, and Jensen and Amp. That's that what mm-hmm. most of his electronics tools were. And, and Showhost, you, 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 you gave us an example of knockoff uh, mini PV. Yeah. One of the things I notice is 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 from a look at it, they don't look like they'd wrap past each other. Oh, but they do. Oh, okay. they do. Yeah. You look at them real close, like you see how they have the long, kind of pointy winglets in the back. Yeah. They're triangular in shape. Mm-hmm. Bingo. Or if you look at the data sheet, it's really obvious. Yeah, and you know, if you look at them in contrast to the to the ones that crimp the conductor, they're way longer. I mean, way longer. It's not offset. It's they're kind of tall, but they are not offset. I think the important lesson out of this is if they're offset, it's a mini PV. Right. If they're not, because keep in mind, Hansen sells both style connectors, meaning the Futaba style and the JR style. But the, but the Futaba and the JR style, yeah, they use the same pins. The Futaba mm-hmm. and JR styles are more about the housing, not the Exactly, exactly. The Hansen, yeah. But what I mean is you can have one set of pins and use both connectors if you buy them from Hansen. Or if you make sure you buy them somewhere else, you make sure they match. Because if we've learned nothing else about this whole episode, about in this whole discussion, is that you need to look at the pins and make sure you're using what your crimpers are capable of crimping. Yep. Yeah, that's pretty much most of it. And I think, you know, I mean, that's, and that's where Mike and I got in that discussion, where my experience is with one set of pins and one set of crimpers. And because I was using the same ones. That's where my attitude came. Was plus my whole crimping experience came from an experience I had um, talking to a engineer that worked in the automotive industry on wiring harnesses. Yeah, and he explained to me just like Mike did earlier why you don't solder these connections in a high vibration air. You know, it's something that vibrates. That crimp is a better tool. Is better. You snap right off on you. Mm-hmm. You go have a bad time. Yeah, and if you're one of those guys that crimps it and then solders it, stop. Yeah. Huh. And it sounds like a good idea, but unless, unless you are so quick and do such a perfect job that not a tiny bit of solder at all wicks into that wire, mm-hmm. if you're that good, fine, do it. But if, if you take even 
two seconds too long, the solder is going to wick into the wire past where the conductor crimp is. And now the whole point of using a crimp is just gone. Right. Now you just push the stress riser out past where the insulation crimp is. Mm-hmm. That will make sure to stand far away in the pits when you fire heli like a madman because it's going to fail. Okay. So, Mike, you mentioned another top, another point of this earlier. Um, and you and I have done this at the field. You actually helped me when I've, when I've plugged in a balance tap at JSTXH poorly. Mm-hmm. And I actually carry around more JSTXH. Uh, oh, yeah. Terminations. Can 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 the Hanson be used to do a JSTXH? Good question. Yeah. So looking at it, I mean, I've never had one in person, but from looking at the pictures that uh, that Richard has sent me and pictures online, it looks like it's your standard double F type crimp. The only question would be, what is the spacing between the conductor and the insulation? Well, let me find out because I have them right now. Because the JST. The JST ones, the crimps are shorter. Yeah, they are. So this is kind of why a lot of times I'll lean towards if you're going to have a do-all crimper, just learn how to deal with the insulation and have a, a single-action crimper. If you if you want to, the hose in becomes a pretty good answer. Yeah, if you just want to do everything tool, it's either that or the um, Taba actually makes it. It's, it's the parent company, but it's a Japanese company called Engineer, and there's a tool called the PA09. I think it is. And I think you've, you've seen me use it. It's the orange-handled one. Yes. And the reason I own that one is because the die on that goes down to stupidly tiny crimps. Yeah, I remember when you bought it, you were talking about how precise the die was. You are pretty happy. Yeah, so uh, the reason for that guy is uh, once upon a time, I flew Spectrum. And Spectrum has... Uh, I remember this. And... Uh, one of those satellite cables, because they use um, whoever had been doing that particular batch of satellite cables, I guess their machines were calibrated a little hot, and uh, they were breaking off. Oh, they're crimped too hard. Yeah, exactly. They're still breaking off. So um, I finally said to hell with it after it caused me to auto again into a bean field and have to go walk out there and get the hell and bring it back and clean it off. Was um, I went and bought the wire I needed. And the JST-ZH crimps and connectors and made my own damn cables. And I did not have a single break after that. Yeah. But the crimps for the ZH connectors are infuriatingly small. <laughs> that is the closest I've ever come to just saying to hell with it. I'm going to spend the $300 on the manufacturer's crimper that holds it for you. Okay. So in, in the case of doing JST-ZH, which is what? Spectrum's using for their mm. satellite cables. Yeah. The hose in is not your tool. It, it doesn't go down small enough. It doesn't go down no. small enough. So that would also apply to the Hanson Hobbies crimp as well. Yeah, there's no way. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at a picture of. The, no, no, absolutely not. No, absolutely yeah, I'm not. looking at the picture of the hose in. It does not go down small enough for the. Mind, uh, mind throwing us. I think you could throw us. Because your tool is a ratchet one you have for XH or ZH, correct? No, that one stays at home, but I have a field tool that people will probably be more interested in buying because it's not stupidly expensive. Throw me a link for that field tool for, for ZH. Because yeah, we see them used on satellites, and I thought we've seen them used in another place. Yes. Um, crap, I know what it is. It's uh, Well, MSH has, has like that four-pin connector for their, um, their, like their mini brain and stuff like that. 
Oh, it's the PAD. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. Yeah. They they use it on the they also use it for their Bluetooth connector. Yes. This yeah. one? I don't remember which one it is. They, they got a couple different ones. Is it the Pad Eleven? Uh yeah, it is. Purchase this item May twenty fifteen. Hey look, that's totally when I had that nitro and was raging over it. And it's still expensive. Alright, I just sent you some some of the connectors that um you are for our balance lead connectors, the ones for the uh oh, what are they, the JST, you know, the ones we use for balance leads. Those are the, the ones that you buy from Hanson on the roll. Yeah, I've got the what? XH. I wonder I wonder if I could get a hold of Engineer and ask them about making a servo PV compatible crimp head. Because the parent company of Engineer is Futaba. Of hmm. who's a parent company for what? Engineer. Yeah. Yeah, talking with uh, from what I believe to be people in the know. Engineer's parent company is Futaba. Well, that's interesting because Futaba on their current servos are not using that style. They're using the the D style or the you know the F style connector. Are they? At least on the one, at least the one I just took apart did. The front and rear is F. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder. It'd be nice if the whole industry moves towards that. The curse of the mini PV. Well, we keep talking about the PV. I mean, are we better off with the mini D or with the F style? Is that what we should be telling people to get? I mean, either one of them is going to do the job very well. No, I get that. But what's what's going to be more practical to tell people to get? That's the problem. They're both so stupidly common. It comes down to if you buy a crimp tool for one then stock that crimp. Right. That housing and that crimp. If you want a tool that can do both, then, you know, because sometimes you, you can't tell which one you're going to get, mm-hmm. then, for example, I went on DigiKey and I bought 5,000 of the Harwin mini PV ripoffs and I have a, a Hosen 706. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm set for pretty much, until something else better comes out, I'm set for pretty much my hobby life. Right. Or you can go to, you know, Hanson and buy that setup. They really right. either one of them is good and it's gonna do the job. All right, so we're we still keep coming back to the fact is just buy make sure you're buying the crimper that matches the connector that you're gonna use and you'll be good. Yeah. There's yeah. the whole idea Bottom line. Or, or, really or, or if you get a bunch of stuff together in the field randomly, you'll be able to recognize you don't have the crimper for the job. Right. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Right. You know, and that's that's where this whole thing started about when when you know, we talked about it a little bit at the beginning of the show, but the discussion between Mike and I started with, he was talking about the, I was talking about the F-style connector, and he was talking about PV-style connector, and I thought he was talking about the same thing, not even knowing there was a difference, or that, the, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think a lot, there's a lot of people out there like me that have crimped a lot of freaking wires, but have, I actually, I was kind of lucky that I was using the Hanson tool. Welcome to the cancer of connectors! Right, but I mean that's my bad, and not understanding that and doing more research on it. That's why I think you know that that the the, the comments we made in the last episode led to this, and this has been really freaking awesome. It um, has been. This is I've run into this a lot when it comes into when you start scratching at something that's super technical like this, mm-hmm. and you just like this hobby has a horrible, horrible trend, and I mean like airplanes too, and jets especially where you take average Joe and you throw him into a situation where 
most people are going to be completely in over their head or they're going to hear bad information or even the people selling this stuff don't know any better because they're an average Joe like you where, uh, or AMT, where some of the first people to do turbines and they picked that connector. So everyone started using that. This pad 11 tool, this is for JSTX VH for that, that'll do VH as well. And it'll, it'll do pretty much all the JSTX series. So will this do, will this do balance um, taps? F, F, well, balance taps and also servo. It does not have a round die on it. No. That's okay. the one you buy if you want to be able to do your, uh, your, um, your spectrum. I'm blanking you for a minute because I feel like the I'm spectrum not... satellite cable. Yeah, I'm high as hell on cold medicine right now because the allergy stuff. Dude, you're welcome to my world. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so I just did a, um, I just did a test crimp on the uh, Henson uh, crimping tool and and the um, Henson uh, JSTXH, and definitely you know it's for that because it it's a perfect crimp. Did it do it fine? The spacing and all that worked out? Yep. Oh, yeah. Perfect. I mean, it's perfectly rounded edges and everything. So, it's a, all right. So, I'm taking it like this. Shaggy says it's good to go. Um, I, I think that's a picture he's... So, that's why I have to go doing this and it, it messes up. Uh, you know where to find Shaggy? Where to find <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> well, I've, I, I can stand by that, you know, the handsome grips. And, I mean, I've done a lot of extensions. Using those those two things, and I mean lots of. And this is the JSTXH. They're talking about the uh, balance lead connectors. Oh, not those. No, I've done. I have. Yeah, I've done some. I haven't done as near. I haven't done hundreds of them or anything. But I've done. That's why I bought a roll of them. I've got a few of them, just so I can repair them or whatever. Yep. For the balance for the balance leads, the JSTXH that Henson tool will work perfectly with the connectors that Henson Hanson sells for um, the JSTXH. So I'm curious to hear I'm I'm curious to hear an answer from each of us individually on, on on this question. If you had to put one tool in your toolbox to do servos and JSTXH connect, which one would you put in your toolbox? The Hosan seven oh six or the Hanson Hobbies right chinning? Uh personally, the Hosan, just because I, I would prefer the Hosan. And I'm going with the Hanson. Yep. And I'm going to go with the Hanson as well. And that's because I don't have the knowledge or the skill to use the other tool properly every time. I didn't at some point. Or no, I get that. And if I sat down with you for half an hour, I'd feel more comfortable with it. Uh, so I, 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 I have the knowledge and experience for crimping stuff, and I've, I've got a good feel for it, so I'm not afraid of using it. The thing is... Uh. It's not like it costs anything to practice with. So you go through all that. You cost yourself $5. Yeah, no, I don't disagree. My other reason is I've had ratcheting fail. The die didn't fail, but the the spring ratcheting action turned to shit after after so many Marines used it. The average guy is not going to do that many. You won't. The average guy isn't going to do that many, but it wasn't really about a mini thing. It was more (laughs) about, it was, I'll be. I'll be honest. I've got I've got MIP wrenches in my toolbox that are stained in some weird fashion, and it happened after my toolbox was empty, and I had a fun fly use my toolbox to repair their heli. <laughs> well, that's your fault. I was the <laughs> people asked. They asked me. They well, they asked, and but I, well, no, I, I certainly lend. I certainly lend my tools out. Also, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I certainly do. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it, if you came up to me and wanted to use my crimpers, I'd hand them to you and anybody else. I might show them how to use them or whatever, but I'm certainly when mine go uh, when I borrow them, I usually walk over there with the person and do it for them. Yes, <laughs> and I've done that. I got them doing it wrong, but because mm-hmm. the couple of times I've had tools there, they're like, "Wow, those work really good. How much do they cost?" Like, do you want a Ferrari or a Porsche? <laughs> because that'll explain my next answer. <laughs> or you yeah, get super nerd like me who build stuff all the time. Right? Uh, yeah, I and, think. And, and, you just, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to step on you there. Yeah, no, I, just to finish it, I, I choose a 706, the, the hose and just for simplicity. Uh, you know, unless yeah. I bend the metal sideways, like pretty running hard. it over on a curb in a car, I'm pretty it, sure it's going to work tomorrow. I've let a bunch of guys yeah. use them. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm for the Henson because it's just, you know, one click and you're done. But I can see the benefits of the hose hand. I can, uh, I can too. Is is yeah. if you're dealing with a lot of different stuff. I would say if you're going to oh, own yes. a ratcheting connector, and I own several. If you're going to own ratcheting tools, RTFM. Yeah, because I, 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 I need to adjust something or tweak it, or you know, understand the tool you're using completely is a general rule I have. Right. Yeah, I, I would. I would tend to agree that if I was building planes as a business. I would probably go for a ratcheting style connector like hands. And yeah, you're right, Mike, you need to understand who you're using. I know this, the example might be lost on a bunch of folks, but oscilloscopes, for example, they show you a pretty picture, right? Yeah. If there are lies, there are damn lies. And then there's what your scope will tell you. <laughs> unless you know the signal you're looking at, unless you know what you're looking for, you know how everything is set up. Oh man, you can write yourself into so many holes by reading it wrong, or maybe you, something was connected wrong, or a setting was wrong, or it, it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the crimp tools. You mean yeah? So it made a crimp. Did it do it right? Is it the right tool? Is it the right crimper? Is the pressure right? You know, like the uh, the Deutsch connector ones we used on the formula cars were adjustable, and if you adjusted them wrong, they'd either crush the barrel connector so hard that it, the wire would come out, you know, like several laps later and then, oh, suddenly the brake telemetry is not working. That's a problem. Or they wouldn't crimp it enough and then the wire comes out. In worst case, it grounds on something and shuts the whole system down. <laughs> Which has happened. That's lots of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put in the statement here. I would personally get both tools. I would yeah, use I the Hanson tool. Hang on, hang on. I'll, I'll use the Hanson tool for at the field for quick and easy use. And I'll use the Hosan for in my shop, it, you know, when I'm really See, working I, on I models. would do just the opposite. And I, I, I would, agree with you. Really? Having two of them, having both might not be a bad idea. But I would, if I'm just sitting there and I've got a, I'm, I'm doing five, I'm shortening five leads on my helicopter right now to get the wire set up. I'm, I'm using the crimp. I'm using the uh, ratcheting crimper. I'm not going to sit there and do each individual crimp on every single wire when I've got a tool that'll work better, faster, easier, more consistent for me. I agree with Rich. I would have the hose in my toolbox field. I would have the handset for my house. Yeah, like the, yeah. the single action crimpers, they're meant for field repairs. Yeah. That's why they exist. But I mean, I'm still like, I mean, I don't. I'm standing by my comment in the last episode about those red piece of shit fifteen cent, you know, fifteen dollars. Here we go again. I'm just standing by it. I'm just saying. But Mike, you have it's Richard Rant Hour. No, no, but I've really been educated um, on exactly what the right tool is with the right connector in this discussion. I appreciate it. 
Yeah, um, the the I I agree, and 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 looking back in hindsight, uh, actually, the, my red handled Radio Shack is in my hand. I'm, I'll grab it, and if memory serves me right, it it <laughs> it does not have the open for doing a, a mini PV, um, and you know it 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 has it has a little M style, but. Yeah, I, I don't know how good of this. I don't know how good this tool was made. I've used it. I've used it, and also know in, in using it, it's been troublesome. I used to have a set of those in here. I don't have them now, but I did find a really good use for those Red Hobby Shop ones a couple of weeks ago. Um, I had to tighten the spokes on my grandson's bicycle. It worked fucking awesome for that. There's fucking spoke <laughs> wrench for that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. didn't have one small enough, so I had they, to have something. In. They, it worked better they, than a pair of pliers. Yeah, they actually make a spoke. There's there's such a tool. There is a spoke wrench. I, no, I, I've got a spoke wrench. It was too big. Did you I don't have those right multi sizes? I didn't have the right tool. You're a tool. I'm a tool. <laughs> didn't have the right tool. Found one that worked. I'm reading about the Hanson ones. Apparently, they are off-brand mini PV copies. <laughs> <laughs> well, then. Well, damn. Hmm. Well, this is something I got into with Rich once where... I looked at the Hanson crimper. I'm like, you know what? I see that it's a double, double F crimper, but the rear crimp is honestly kind of a really terrible F crimper. So it probably does the winged ones. Okay. And honestly, you probably could take it and dremel out the, the indent. Uh huh. Turn your Hanson crimper into a really good PV crimper. Hmm. Okay. Uh, close out. We've we've run through this topic and we're gonna get it all together with the magic of editing with sh- with Shaggy. And I'm gonna hate you all. Yeah. Um, you wonder why I'm so grumpy. I don't wonder. Check out the other great Heli podcasts: Freefall RC podcast, BKRC podcast, the Heli Head Show, Skids Up RC Heli podcast, and Inverted Down Under RC Heli podcast. And don't forget Steve's favorite podcast, uh, Mazda Miatas. Um. Oh, oh, <laughs> Everyone knows what I'm talking about. On rerun, the uh, RC Heli Hooligans, full pitch RC podcast, and RC Heli Nation version 2.0. Uh, also, I did run into a new podcast. He's not on iTunes yet. He's on Podbean. Uh, Houdini RC podcast. Texas. He's out of Texas. Please comment on iTunes and Podbean. Speaking of iTunes, let's go see if I got any comments. You don't. Nope. Are you sure? No. Go ahead and look. <laughs> Buttheads. You're so mean to me. Yeah. I'm going to get upset. I don't even have to use a soundboard for that. Nope. Soundboard for what? I, I did it. I, I've done, never mind. Well, I mean, in the usual vein, I guess we'll get a comment a year. Come on, guys. <laughs> so, so um, RC, or was it uh, Heli Hooligans released four episodes a year. We get one comment a year. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I am reading the po- comments on Podbean. Uh, so if you uh, if you want to you know, get a hold of us, you know, go ahead and hit us up there. We are watching it. Upcoming events we are attending. The uh, June 26th through the 28th, the Mid-Atlantic Heli Championships in Goldsboro, North Carolina. I have not moved it, canceled it, or anything like that. So Kevin McGrady, you better be, you better show up. I'm calling you out. <laughs> Uh, next event that we'd be attending after that would be Heli Nationals, and Nationals starts on Sunday, August 2nd, 
AMA is waiving yep. their fee for first-time Nats competitors. That will save you 50 bucks. Nats ends on Tuesday the 4th, and on Wednesday the 5th, the Urcha Jamboree officially begins. Uh, I have been I've been looking through the calendar, saw some more sanctioned events. I know we're going to go to uh, Goldsboro specifically. Mm-hmm. And so I added it to our Google Calendar. So if you uh, scroll down uh, on the link on this podcast, uh, within your you know podcast app, you should be able to find the show link, take you over to our Google uh, Doc, where we keep all the links for all our episodes, and you can find uh, our calendar for events we're attending. Uh, also remember, uh, and I know a few of you showed up and talked with us a bit tonight, as we were spilling uh, show topics out into the middle of uh, public chat. <laughs> <laughs> Sneak peek episode. Um uh, we are on Discord, so uh, find the link, give us a shout, come on over, talk with us. You know, you'd be you'd be surprised. Uh, topics can go deep, and we can have a lot of fun. Um, so you know, come on over there and uh, talk with us. Um, you know, uh, past that, I must say, uh, everyone keep safe, and thank you all your listener. Thank you all the listeners, and y'all have a good one. Hopefully, I see you on a field soon, socially distanced. and also socially distance you guys have a good one have safe keep your family safe we'll get through it all yeah all right cricket noise say goodbye You cut out. am i doing it right yeah you are (laughs) you are (laughs) did he say goodbye i think so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I'm too busy looking at some Taiwanese company I found that makes servo connectors that don't have the goofy wings on them. They make locking versions oh, too, and they come in crazy colors. Cool. Tarn oh, Enterprise Co. Limited. How do I buy tons of stuff from you people? Oh jeez, he's going to be doing this all night. All, all right, right, good night, guys. See you later. Take it easy. Thanks for listening. Bye. See you at the field. Don't lick anybody's radio. I think I want Alibaba. <laughs> Alibaba! <laughs> <laughs> That's the end. That's the end of the show right there. Yeah. Oh, man. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode as we enjoyed taking the time to make them. If you have any questions regarding the show, such as future topics, events, or anything else, you can send us an email at telerotor at gmail.com or on Facebook, search Telerotor. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the field. Welcome to the bloopers for this episode. We recommend you listen to them in private as the audio is loud and the subject matter a bit sophomoric. Enjoy. Uh, I got a mega—I got a megaphone so I could talk to people at distances. There you go. That's forward thinking. Yeah, yeah. It's two years in the making, dude. I think you know what? I know what'll get rid of Shaggy. If he starts getting too close, I just need to take. And you know what? I need to go to DocJohnson.com and get the biggest, nastiest one they've got. And then zip tie that sucker to a six foot pole and just chase him with it. That'll get rid of him. <laughs> I hate you so much. Oh God! You know you wouldn't come near me though. Actually, <laughs> anybody would. It'd be perfect.
Or Monty would, because he doesn't give a shit. He'd be asking to uh, borrow it. What do we call that thing? The phallic phalanx or something like that? It'd have to have a stupid name. Dick on a stick? The full Richard. Yes. The full <laughs> Richard. Uh, only if it's old and wrinkly. Oh, no, boy. you know what? You know what? Let's go with the full Michael Richard. <laughs> I mean, th- three of the four of us have Michael legally as our name. Yeah, apparently <laughs> I declare true. thou shalt eat an entire sack of Richards. Yes. <laughs> and I will shall crush you with a shipping container of Richards. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, yeah. I think my microphone took a shit. No. Start screaming at your computer. Yeah. Mother fudge! Yeah, that's a good start. <laughs> okay, no, um, no more screaming at your computer. <laughs> hang on, let me change that. Actually, it sounded better that time than it did a minute ago. How about now? Oh man, no, no means no. Any better? Sounds like Monty. No, actually, it sounds a lot better loud. Damn, I just clipped myself. I didn't even clip during that. Ah! No, They're distorted. Whole recording, <laughs> shit all over. <laughs> I could get ah, one of my new it. microphones and hook up, but they're they're XLR. I'm not necessarily going to pause, but I'm not against you doing it. Uh, well, I still have the protection plan. I mean, is it any better now? Oh, now I'm peaking. What the fudge? Yeah, it's getting worse. He's always peaking. I wonder if yeah, we'll ever finish puberty. It, it's randomly doing crap right now. How about now? Is that better? No, it's oh, not. There's... Sounds better. I don't know what it's doing on your end. It's really bad on my end. I mean, it's not good on this end, but... Wow. Hey, real quick, I know we're, we're going to continue on here, but is my audio okay? Does it sound good to you guys? It sounds fine. No. Yeah. Okay, because I've am i been trying to mess with this thing for freaking It doesn't hours. sound as good as... It's like, not your usual. But it's, yeah. it's usable. Yeah. Okay. Damn. Because I, I can't hear my playback, so I don't know. I'm trying to You've figure that out. you got an echo. At least I'm hearing an echo. Really? You can go into Discord and go to troubleshooting and it'll play it back for you. Thing is, I'm, I don't know. I'm just I'm trying to see. Like, like, yeah, Yeti, I can, trying I can to mess with it? I can go into settings, app settings, voice and video, and there's a, there's a mic check option there. Oh, that's true. I can do that. Yeah, just go in there. Instead of getting Robert angry and wanting to kill you every time you speak up. <laughs> <laughs> Off with his head! Yeah, Crush him with a box of Richards! Hang that! <laughs> I got the rope right here. <laughs> All right. Ah, it doesn't matter. He drives a Dodge. He's already, already. Oh god! I remember. Oh, you know shit. what? I know it's off topic, but I remember when I uh, I made the comment on our way to Urcha, not last year, but 2018. I was riding with him. Huh. And I remember I was on the phone with you. I'm like, wow, this is some really rednecky places, man. I you look kind of out of place. And you're like, no, you don't. You're two white boys in a Dodge Ram trying a trailer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh damn, he's right. Where's my trucker hat? I got to blend in. Uh, so playing, playing, um, Alabama all the way down there or up there, pretty much. 
So anyway, so Mike, no Alabama the band. Yeah, I know. Hey Mike, what was that pilot plane that you destroyed? But I absolutely love the way it flew before you destroyed it. I wanted this color, but the goddamn things are so backordered that it wasn't going to happen. I'd have to wait till like July. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I was like, fine, I'll take the red, white, and blue one. Oh God, we're talking about planes. Why? <laughs> yeah. Obviously, post planes. You know, Rich, I uh, I almost went with the girlfriend to Florida today, and if we were, I would have been totally stopping by your house. Hey, Mike, I didn't hear you, man. I took my headphones off for a second. What'd you say? You're a terrible person, and you should kill yourself. <laughs> I should kill myself? Yes. Oh my gosh. Because <laughs> I wasn't fucking listening to you for a second? Oh, it's Monty humor. Yeah, I love oh. you. See, <laughs> so Mike, Mike, you haven't been around that's, that's Rich really too Monty much, apparently. If you, if you stop paying attention for a second, he tries to hit you with the most <laughs> jarring thing possible. Just like blank. I'm like, damn, you're rougher than my wife. Container uh, full of Richards. You know, I was going to say something less crazy. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to make Monty proud. I'm just going to go, what is the worst possible thing I could just say right now? <laughs> that, was pretty, that was right up there with it, you know? Hey, uh, uh, can we start wrapping it up? Because it's getting late and I got to get the ready for bed. Kidding me, DePaul and I are going to stay up till three, and Rich is going to stay up until at least two with me. Yeah, we're <laughs> good, man. Yeah. I'm the only one that actually has to wake up in the morning to go to work. So well, you know what? I, are we ready to do? The, just are we ready to do the closeout then? Are we? Because I'm just about to, I'm about done. I'm about to just freaking go to bed. I'm pissed off because my audience. You pissed crap. off, man. You've been grumpy for the last two shows. What the frick? Well, because my 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 Yeti died and the warranty expired. My two year extension saying they warranty just just freaking ended. Okay, <laughs> take and try a different USB cable and stuff. Before you, no, it's actually the mic itself. It, the mic itself, it, you know, is going out. I would recommend a set of Void Pro. <laughs> mm. Oh, I almost said the F word to you. Yeah, I almost I know, said man. it. I'm, I'm... Well, there's a lot of good mics out there right now. There is a lot of good mics out there. The fun thing is trying to find them because everyone bought them because COVID. I am surprisingly <laughs> impressed yeah. with you do Amazon Basics one I have. Mm-hmm. No, the mic I'm using right now is a $200 microphone. Well, the one I'm looking at, the one I'd like to pick up, and I just I'm not having going to is the King B. But yeah, I'm sorry. It's I, this Amazon Basics condenser microphone. I am shocked at how good it is. Yeah, I'm using an AK, AKG P120 right now, but I got to get. I want to get a mixer board so I can, you know. Um, the four, I want to do I show close up. All right, let's do, let's do that.